Whether you grew up in the city, country, or suburbs, most of us have deep emotions imprinted in our memories as to the place where we're from. In BT's neighborhood, we'll investigate two questions, who am I and whose am I? These questions, we hope, will point us in a more distinct direction of knowing how to live into the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. How can we love those around us, especially those who challenge or oppose us, if we don't even know who we are or how to express love for God, others, and ourselves? So take a walk with us, learn where to buy your groceries and where to find a good conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan University in conjunction with the Office of Spiritual Life. We want to welcome you to the neighborhood. And I'm so excited because we have a special guest from the neighborhood uh, who is going to be joining us, and I promise you, you will be blessed. And so today with us is Dr. Rebecca Letterman. Dr. Letterman, why don't you give us just a, a brief description of what you do here in the neighborhood, who you are, and uh, and then we'll get into our discussion for today. All right. Well, thanks, Pastor G. It's such a an honor to be here with you. I mean that um, sincerely. So I've been around Roberts Wesleyan for a long time. I'm an alum from years ago, and I did um, some work also at Northeastern Seminary, which is part of Roberts Wesleyan University. And um, I served for about 15 years um, teaching at the seminary. Uh, I was a professor of spiritual formation, which was a great, um, probably just one of the greatest privileges of my life was to work there uh, with people who um, all together were trying to seek to be disciples of Jesus and, and to follow and love, learn how to love God and others and ourselves, creation the way God wants us to. So I did that for about 15 years. And then just this past year, I've just, just recently, just actually in the last few months, uh, transferred to a new role over at the um, community institutes. Mm. And so I have the privilege of serving there now as the director of the Intellectual and Spiritual Humility Institute. And um, yeah, really enjoying that and, and getting the chance to be around even more people at Roberts Wesleyan University, getting to interface with more people and the community at large. So Nice. Thank you. So glad you're here. If, if I can ask you this, what do you think causes us to try? I guess sometimes we, we treat or we handle our power uh, in ways that are opposite to what Jesus would do, what God wants us to do. Um, what makes us not make room for others? What makes us, um, and I'm getting at what Crouch, he talks about, power always creates more power when used rightly. But he says, but power wrongly used consolidates its you know, power and tries to limit who can have it. What do you think causes us as human beings to do that, to limit power and try to control everything? Yeah, I, I think he's right, actually. I think that's a really important and interesting insight that he has. Um, there, there are a lot of different, a lot of different things that come to mind. Um, you know, the theological languaging for something like that is going to be sin in the world. Yes. And what does that actually look like in everyday life? What does that mean in the just just the way we live? And I, I, my understanding of that has a lot to do with brokenness 
and and our own woundings and our own mm. um, needs that we are more or less aware of and the ways that we see around us how to respond to all of that mm. and that when we have when we have areas in our lives um, brokenness just areas of insecurity when I mean by brokenness you know insecurities um, um, just tenderness around things for ex- probably for experiences that we've had that there's there's kind of this automatic protection of oneself and we do that in various ways and I think that's where power can it can come into those sort of gut reaction self-protect modes that we have and there are different ways we all do that but there's you know common patterns mm. and I think that we often are, that's how power is being misused. I, I don't think that we sit around thinking, I'm going to misuse power. Yeah. At least most of us don't. Um, mm. You know, how can I use my power to, you know, <laughs> whatever, make others, yeah. you know, less than me. I don't, um, many of us don't, especially Christian persons, I don't think we're sitting around thinking that. But I do think that's how we see things modeled around us. Mm. It is the dominant immersion, uh, 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 what's the word I want? Um, Inertia. It's it's the dominant inertia of our culture. When I say mm-hmm. again, dominant American culture, which has also has its own impact in churches. Um, so it isn't like churches don't experience this too. And so because we haven't seen a lot of models like Jesus, um, where people are very aware of their own power and purposefully using it to empower others over and over and over. Mm. Because we haven't built those patterns and we haven't seen it, so we don't see it modeled. We haven't experienced it sometimes ourselves. We literally don't have it embodied. And so our neurology, like all our normal habits, yeah. are not that. Mm. <laughs> and so we, we literally have to be transformed, get to be transformed. We're invited to living in the way that actually is the way we were designed. And so there's a kind of a coming home, Hmm. right? We come home to power uh, in healthy ways when we're functioning in it the way I believe God designed it to be a part of our lives, the the, the way the capacity should be used. It's actually a coming home to. But for most of us, we've been afar from home Hmm. in terms of power for so long, we we don't really know how to do it, what it looks like. We literally haven't experienced it that often. Yeah, that's so, so good. We're kind of bushwhacking. You know, we're having to, like, bushwhack through new territory. Mm, that's good. Wow. You're just giving me so many different things to think about, but this is, this is so good. Um, when I look at the life of Jesus, um, and I wonder, I, well, I know that this is what, offends many people about Jesus is that how can he be God to allow himself to be crucified? You know, and I think scripture, Paul refers to this as being a stumbling block to some. But I, is it like, does power, strength, and vulnerability go together? I mean, you see that in Jesus. I wonder if you could talk about vulnerability and and power coupled together. Oh, that's that's a beautiful, that's a really beautiful thought and question, and and that I think it also reflects back on what we were just talking about because for many of us, vulnerability, I think maybe for all of us, vulnerability feels uncomfortable, mm. 
and we tend to avoid it at all costs, typically, by habit. And, and again, by just the way generally we are as human beings. And so generally we will use our power to keep from being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, again, that's why the gospel is this, it is a, there's this old, again, this old theological word recapitulation, which means um, re-heading. So it literally this turning right, right side up, mm-hmm. putting the head in its place instead of being upside down, putting the head right side up again. And so in that sense, that, I hadn't thought about, so this is fun, thank you, uh, mm-hmm. fun to think about this, but in that sense, that's very much what Jesus does when he couples and, and recouples mm-hmm. vulnerability and power, not power to keep me from being vulnerable, but he actually utilizes his power to choose to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. come in human flesh and all the way to the cross, right? Yeah. Um, but his whole life, over and over, it isn't just at the cross he makes himself vulnerable. Jesus experiences human vulnerability on purpose because yeah. he's God in the flesh, so he knows how to use power. He actually utilizes it over and over to choose to be vulnerable, by which I mean, for example, he gives people choices to follow him. When he says, come follow me, they can do it or not. He doesn't make them follow mm. him. Um, he's rejected by his family. He's rejected by the religious leaders, the important people in his world. Mm. Like that over and over where he, and those are very vulnerable places to be, right? And over and over he does that, but he's doing it purposefully. Yeah, he's yeah. using his power and his influence to do that in part to show us how to live as human beings and how to choose vulnerability and not not in some kind of a martyristic, you know, but but vulnerability actually again another human capacity mm-hmm. that's part of God's design for us because we're meant to have a an awareness of being reliant on God and one another mm, yeah. and not to be our own little gods under ourselves. So vulnerability and choosing to be vulnerable, it's not again it's not to be like martyr myself, oh I'm being vulnerable. It actually it actually, when it is chosen, especially when it's chosen purposefully, it actually allows us to experience some of the deepest experiences of human connection with God and each other that we ever had, have comes through, comes through vulnerability, right? So. Oh, so great. So, you know, for a minute, at the beginning of this conversation, I'm asking myself, wow, how do I manage power? Or how do I embrace power? And now I find myself going, wait, how do I embrace vulnerability? How, I, how, do I, how do I choose vulnerability? Because that seems maybe like a harder thing to embrace. Like, I don't want to appear incompetent. I don't want to appear, I don't want anybody to see weakness, especially when you talk about leadership, right? Yep. The leadership models of today is, hey, this person has no weakness, <laughs> And how do you choose vulnerability and not allow yourself to be portrayed or even others to believe and fall into that trap of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to portray strength at all times. But really choosing that like, no weakness, you know, Mm -hmm. and God is glorified. I think about Paul in my weakness, you know, yeah, so many rich things here I got. Um, so here's a question I want to ask. 
what would you say to a person who shrinks back from power? Mm. And, I, and I even think of myself, like I'm someone that I've seen power abused. Um, and as a, as a pastor, I've seen power abused in terms of manipulation. I've seen power used, and there are some church traditions in the one that I come out of where leaders are, and some of it is cultural, but leaders are treated like royalty. Mm-hmm. And there are some who believe that they are royalty. Mm-hmm. And so when you are given the authority, you like, no, I don't want to take it because power corrupts, so I don't want anything to do with that. What would you say to someone who's listening who's like me? What would you say to even me in that, you know? First of all, that's a, that is a beautiful question to ask uh, because it shows already a certain awareness of wanting to utilize the capacity of power that God has given for God's purposes. Mm. And so particularly for persons who have leadership roles in which the role itself carries an immense amount of power, an immense amount of influence. A couple things. One is uh, the awareness of, okay, I have power. What does it mean to use power in the way God has designed? And it means I am empowering others. That I'm, so it's a, it would be a very purposeful um, intent and actions, prayerfully, especially, you know, Lord, show me how to do this. I'm not going to get it right every time, but show me how to do it. it. So it would be purposing to use power to empower others. Automatically, by doing that, we're dislodging ourselves from center, hmm. right? Um, it seems yeah. to me that we, it, it, that will help dislodge us from center and dislodge us from held up at some, you know, on pedestal. So that's one thing is one's own personal commitment to it. But secondly, I think it'd be really important to have people um, in our lives, um, people that we have commit with us to keep us from misusing power, Mm. either abusing it or not being aware, not using it the way God wants us to. So again, I think there's, there's abuse of power. That's one thing to be aware of. But there's also just the misuse of it in general, mm. where we're not using it to empower others. So, as a, if, I, if I'm a leader, I want other people in my life who we we we're going to help help each other do this because it's so countercultural. So we need each other, and that means, for example, as a leader, I need to have people in my life who I am authentically open to them. Um, Helping me and, and 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 correct I use the word correcting, but but helping to guide me to name when I'm missing when I'm missing the mark. Yeah. And again, not that doesn't have to be in a harsh way. They don't need to misuse, but right, it's not about. But but to have some have people in my life who I regularly am listening to, and I'm looking to, to uh, give me corrective perspectives to help me notice how I am or am not using power. So for example, I think that that would mean the people I'm asking to do that, that would need to include not only peers and not only persons maybe to whom I have a certain kind of accounting, so someone who we think of as, you know, um, you know quote unquote above us, uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, but also it would need to include the people we're serving, um, people who are, who are under my influence, 
so that they can be very clear about what's happening mm. and that I make that I'm the kind of person that would make a space for them to I, I authentically I long you will help me I want to be more like Jesus I need you to help me because I'm not going to get it right every time mm. I really need you to help me see when when power when I'm using the power I have in ways that are not empowering others fully that are not being like Jesus. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. I hear you. And this is maybe an oversimplification. But what I hear uh, ringing in my soul from what you're saying is that embracing power is embracing vulnerability. You know, it's... If we're going to embrace power the way God calls us to. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, right, we're going to be very prone to, to misuse it. Yeah, and and we just need community, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't, you know, we're at the, the end of our time, and I didn't get to get you to talk about humility, but you did. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's really... Right, and yeah. just a quick comment on it, so that humility doesn't mean, oh, I'm powerless. And that's yeah. what I used to think humility would mean, like, oh, I have no power. Um, you know, I don't want any power. No, humility is actually acknowledging the power God has given me. Mm and recognizing how it fits in the, the broader context of everyone around me yeah. and recognizing how can I utilize the power I have to also empower others so that all together we are honoring, glorifying God. Yeah. Where we are, and, and just to, what I mean by that, where we are saying yes to who the scriptures tell us God is, who they show us they are in Christ, and it's saying yes to the values God has. Mm. I believe that's giving weight to God. That's giving glory to God, the ways we live. So humility is, is that positioning. It's an orienting of ourselves toward God first, realizing we're not God. Um, so there's that piece first, and realizing, and God has given me these capacities. How can I best use them to empower others, and to further what God wants to do. Thanks again for listening to this episode of BT's Neighborhood, where we aim for simple but deep conversations about being a good neighbor here and now at Roberts Wesleyan and wherever our paths take us in the future.